Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Conversations. lovely listeners out there we have returned for another in our the lost metal series we are coming to a close and so this will be our second to last episode today we are going to dive into the broadsheets and really explore the two seasons broadsheet that we get from the town of Bilmin and pull out all of the tidbits easter eggs and secret references that we have located and identified in there yeah so this is a great addendum to our previous episode about all of the previous broadsheets. This is adding on to that. Before we dive in, just a reminder that after this Lost Metal series comes to a close, we will start our coverage of Tress of the Emerald Sea here on the main pod. Hopefully everyone will have gotten a copy of the book by then. If you're signed up to receive hard copy books and only the hard copy books, we're not really sure when everyone's going to get those. There have been some printing delays with the specialty hardcovers due to their specialty nature. They're needing to be put through the presses like 12 times instead of four times, according so to each Isaac. Each book was increased by like three times to finish one yeah. book. And so yeah. the entire project is simply taking a lot longer than they expected. For me, I always thought that these were kind of quarterly gifts or, or quarterly books. And so I'm still hopeful that we will receive ours within the first quarter. Mm. And then some of the production elements have maybe been dealt with and kind of knowing the yeah. process will make the other books come out a little bit sooner. More but I'm, timely. Yeah, I'm still hopeful that we're going to get this one in the first quarter of the year of Sanderson 2023. For those of you that are interested, we are doing a couple of video episodes, unboxing videos for each of the Sanderson swag boxes that we get. Those should be up on YouTube right now for you to view for the first two boxes we've received. And as soon as we get that Tress box, we will also do another one of those style videos as well. And if you didn't sign up for the Kickstarter, if you didn't get these boxes through the Kickstarter, this is a great way for you to know if you want to purchase one of the boxes ad hoc or a la carte. If they have extra boxes, they're going up for sale on uh, Dragonsteel Books. So if you're interested in what's actually in the boxes before you purchase one of them, you can check out our videos. We've gotten a lot of really great messages from listeners lately, and we wanted to highlight this one in particular. I needed to include this one because I had to stack up a couple of wins here. I have been going out on the edge of all of my predictions and normally yeah. swinging and missing. I have appreciated the many comments that we've gotten like, good job keeping Tyler in line, Brooke. <laughs> but Dan is on my side, at least explicitly when it comes to the Cosmere economy and the importance of commerce to the overall Cosmere. This comes, of course, from Brandon being really a huge fan of Dune, which uses spice as their magic and economic indicator. And so I was like, he's going to work that in to the Cosmere. Dan throws out a great idea because we know because of Don Shard, the novella starring Risen, that Risen now holds one of the four, we believe, Don Shards in existence and therefore her importance is kind of locked in going forward in the future of the Cosmere. Anyone who has a Dawn Shard is going to be important or was important Probably. in the past. So Dan is speculating that who better to lead the interplanetary economy, an ambassador of trade other than the Dawn Shard Risen? Who, of course, has a background in trade. 
going from the small scale, being trained in the ways of Thalen and Rasharan trade and commerce, and then expanding that outwards until she is the chief ambassador of the Cosmere and maybe providing the access. Dan actually points out the concept of transport across the Cosmere or the cognitive realm. And I love this idea because we have not only seen Risen's fantastic vessel, the Wander Sail, mm, that yes. was like spun out of the story on Rashar about the Wander Sail that Hoyd told. And I was hopeful that Risen's Wander Sail would also be part of or the genesis of legends in her own right. And so Dan has said maybe it will be Wander Sail that is the key transport vessel moving people across the cognitive realm or from one planet to another led by Risen the Dawn Shard. Dan, thank you so much for this submission. Thank you for agreeing with me. As always, anyone who agrees with me is welcome to write in. And if you don't, you're also welcome. But I think that there is a lot of things to pull from here as we know and have started to explore in more detail with the Lost Metal as well as Secret Project Number 1. The collision of all of the different worlds that Sanderson has set up is going to be violent in some respects, mm. but also I think there's the potential for lots of cooperation and trade that kind of sets the stage in some instances for maybe violence and war, but in the, also for interesting partnerships that we didn't necessarily know of. For example, something like an alloy, two metals coming together to form something better. Let's bring it all the way back to the lost metal because we always love the broadsheets. They are put in between chapters, you know, ever so often mm -hmm. throughout the Era 2 books. They give insight not only to the world and kind of a little bit more of world building, but they also allow us some insights into the way that Brandon and Isaac Stewart, who is the key artist and creator of the broadsheets and kind of just overall like the Dragonsteel plan as well as I would say like visual representation, the style yeah. that they imagine on these worlds. And I believe this is the first time that Isaac was actually solely responsible for the broadsheets. Previously, I think they've at least been outlined by Brandon or it was a little bit more of a collaborative process. And for this one specifically, Brandon has said he basically just completely gave it over to Isaac and was like, you got it. You do it. It's yours. And I think that was in preparation for the word on the street that we've heard that Isaac will be authoring Boatload of Mummies, wow. tentative title. They have said that they don't know if that book is ever actually going to be published, but he is currently writing it. Whether or not it ever becomes a book remains to be seen. So let's open up this broadsheet and learn a little bit about the world of the Lost Metal because there is a bunch of both small and huge revelations that we see in this broadsheet. And for your viewing pleasure, the notes of this podcast episode do have the link to the PDF that was released on Dragonsteel, so you can check out the whole broadsheet as we are talking about it here. Yes. First, let's start with just the title of the broadsheet that this comes from. It's called The Two Seasons. It's a broadsheet published in Bilming, of course, and the title of the paper comes from an aphorism in world, no two seasons are alike, which is said to be an originator's proverb. So uh, a saying that came from the people who survived the cataclysm at the end of Mistborn Era 1. Which to me is interesting as just a saying, you know, from this group of people, and the group of people that will be led by Spook in that first hundred years. No two seasons are alike after a thousand years of yeah. very similar seasons, or at least, you know, the Lord Ruler's whole thing was kind of keeping Stasis. things the same. Yes. Yeah. And so I love this concept that nothing is the same, even, you know, a spring compared to a spring. It's different each year. And certainly Bilming represents that even a little bit more so because if we were going to leave aside the Lord Ruler and just say like Elendel now 
center of power is the thing that wants a little bit more stasis, a little mm. bit more control, a little bit more of things to stay the same, where Bilmin is the radical, the yeah. one who is pushing the boundaries. Now, they are, we'll say, led astray by the forces of Trell and, and Babadin, but I do think that Scadrial's history not unlike the United States of America, has a history of rebellion. Yeah. And so even the name of this broadsheet, I find kind of a homage to that. Yeah, kind of. And it is individualistic, which is also indicative of that autonomy influence, hearkening and hearkening all the way back to their rebellious roots, as you say. So it's great. Now, we're going to first start with the main story of Ellendale's Supremacy Bill threatens Basin unity, largest typeface on the broadsheet, and it is centered. I know that if you've only seen these in the book themselves, whether digital or hard copy, they are shown almost like individual quarters. And yeah. then to, you have to put them all together to form one broadsheet. It can be hard to read actually in the book, again, whether you're reading hard copy or digital. So it is really nice to be able to see it all together. This first sort of main headline is interesting for a couple of reasons. The sub headline is unity or division, progress or perniciousness. And there is an image of the governor and vice governor of Ellendale, which I believe when this showed up in my book, it was relatively soon after we had met those two characters in book. So it was nice to put a little face to the names. Well, I also want to bring in a word of Isaac in this moment because he stated specifically that the pictures that we see in this broadsheet were more difficult to do because they were trying to show the advancement of photographic technology mm -hmm. and the ease of photographic technology where the images that were seen in this broadsheet, all of them, but right now you're talking about the governor and the vice governor specifically, are far more lifelike, far more realistic. Yeah, the, they look great. Yeah, the drawings that we may have seen kind of depicting Wax and Wayne in the, the Ruffs magazine or even what we saw in the previous book, which was you know only six years ago. But the speed of technology mm -hmm. and the growth of technology, Isaac was trying to depict that in the art style and to represent that change. Because, of course, these people are not real. It's not as if he could have a photograph yeah. and then put that into the broadsheet itself. He has to still create these characters. And he to me, did a fantastic job. I find the image I had in my mind and then the image in the broadsheet really lined up, which mm. isn't always the case. Again, the detail of the images themselves, I just find to be really captivating. And I think it's cool that in world, this is what people would kind of expect and demand of their newspaper at this point. Be like, this is what you need to appeal to the audience that the in-world newspaper is trying to collect. The important thing to take away from this particular article is that it is talking about the bill that we see Wax fighting against in that very first couple of chapters. So it's sort of giving a, well, it aligns with Wax's viewpoint because he's fighting against it. But the article is basically giving the argument uh, against the bill and why it could potentially be bad. There's also a quote that alludes to the division between the Skadrian and the Malwish people saying, quote, we'll need a strong, experienced leader when war from our massed southern friends. Admiral Jones of the Malwish nation looked visibly shaken and did not return after the Senate's following recess, end quote. And I think that is one of the aspects of the Lost Metal that we kind of felt was lacking. You know, we're introduced to the Malwish and then we don't actually get to dive into much. But the one thing that we know is that there was a exchange of the bands of mourning and maybe the Skadrian people were played. We don't quite know like what was happening there, but a lot of interesting stuff hinted at and directly stated in this first article. 
Right next to that, the next headline is Beloved Editor Still Missing. And we have another lovely photo of a woman who is the editor of this paper, The Two Seasons. Her name is Kindlip Turnavale. Great pronunciation, <laughs> as always. Love it. Who uh, we were introduced to as, you know, missing at the beginning, and she would continue to be brought up as one of the missing individuals. It is eventually discovered in chapter 50 that she was part of the kidnapped group and taken to the bunker um, because she was a political dissident and like had found out information about Gavin Trone, the mayor there. I don't know if she had information about him. She had just given an unflattering quote about Gave. Oh, man, I thought it was worse than that. That's more example of uh, totalitarianism from the mayor there. You're not even allowed to give an unflattering quote. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in another small place in this broadsheet, this issue, the quote that she gave is actually being uh, retracted. There's a retraction published of that specific quote. And so this is a case of these broadsheets really providing us with clues as to what is going on in the world, you have to sort of put together, because they're in two different places, this beloved editor still missing, and then the retraction in two different places on the broadsheet. So you have to put those two together and figure out that she's missing because of this quote. And then that's a clue that dissidents or anyone speaking out against the government or the governor are being persecuted in some way, which of course then is later revealed, but we get the pieces to it much earlier. In the same style, let's go to the next article because this is titled Tunnel Tremors Stop for Now, a reference not only to the secret bunker that the editor is taken to, but also the work and you know, the new perpendicularity that's being created we'll mm. see at play later in the story. This reference to, you know, every Bilmin has a problem with this project that was started four years ago to build an underground railroad, a subway system a la New York City or many places throughout the world. But that work is never started, or at least that's not its main purpose. It is it's instead a cover. cover. Yeah, yes. it's a cover, which is what Wax and Steris figure out. And so it's kind of cool to see this article, which doesn't actually say, like, it's a cover. It's just like, hey, we've been waiting a long time to get this railroad. And at this point, we don't even need it because we've already made improvements to our above ground railroad. So what, what the heck doing? is the point? Yeah. yeah. I also like there's just a very small line that hints at the article's continuation on the back side that says, owner of soothing parlor, grateful for public agitation. Mm, And I really love these small incorporations of like how the world works and the, the soothing parlors or the rioting parlors where people are going to change their state of mind using allomancy and of course the people then who are making money off of that and creating businesses around that type of experience it's very interesting it's a little bit like westworld-esque or has vibes of a brave new world where the population is kind of numbing itself with Mm. drugs to get through or to overlook maybe some of the bad things that are happening in society we have a handful of ads in this broadsheet. We'll start with uh, a small one that is for the Alariel Yearly Spring Salon, which is a pop-up fashion boutique that's coming with terrace-inspired designs. It has a cute little graphic. And then the one that really catches your eye has the headline, BEWARE, in like bold, all caps, Obviously, immediately as a Cosmere fan, your eyes are drawn. You're like, oh, what is this going to (laughs) say? And then it is a drink ad for Vif Sparkling Tonic, which is urging its its drinkers not to settle for substitute Vif and is alleging that there are other drink companies stealing the secret formula of their sparkling tonic. 
Yeah, this reminded me a lot of the recent battles to create sparkling water across many different companies, but <laughs> your LaCroix and your Liquid Deaths oh, and all of the... Polar, Bindrift. Exactly. So everyone is competing Olipop. now. And I you know, see a lot of the similarities between advertisement campaigns. I remember when people were saying like, oh, LaCroix got something else that they're putting in their drinks uh, and they're not telling a you. secret ingredient. Yes, exactly. And it was, you know, uh, a scandal within LaCroix. So instead, you should get the more natural sparkling <laughs> yeah. water. It's all just carbon dioxide and water, guys. exactly the argument because in a different place in the broadsheet, there's another ad for drink delicious Choco Tonic. And their argument is like, we are better than other sparkling tonic brands, you know, not naming any names, but those other ones, they have secret formulas. But our formula is just simple and natural. And it's imported because this is coming from the Yes, so it's exotic. It seems to be a chocolate flavored sparkling drink. Yeah. Like instead of having hot chocolate, it's cold sparkling chocolate, which I'm not going to say no Very to, weird. but also I wouldn't. That does not sound good. I wouldn't lean into that one. <laughs> and to your point, it is imported from the Malwish. It seems to be made from beans. So it does just seem to be either chocolate or like I was thinking maybe coffee too, but we know that the Malwish have chocolate. So that's probably a good bet. Yeah. Based on what we know about the geography and, and climate of the Malwish territory, things like chocolate, vanilla bean, coffee, as you say, stated, should all be a little bit easier to grow, at least as long as it's not too hot. But they, yeah. they seem you know, to have some like tropical possibilities yeah. down there. And certainly on our planet, that made things very valuable uh, because you can't grow those everywhere and they are rare as well as incredibly delicious. Let's move on to the letter to the editor, which comes from a pedantic professor who has written in to complain about the, quote, historically egregious depictions of the Ascendant Warrior's companion, end quote. And he is complaining that the modern dogs that they have now were not in existence when Vin was alive. And therefore, the Sunni pups, which are based on Tensoon, should be wolf dogs and not wolf hounds. There's an important distinction, says this professor. And so this is a companion letter to the editor that goes along with an advertisement from a company of this professor who has made an accurate Sunni pup and has stated that people should trade in their inaccurate Sunni pup version for correct ones, patent pending on this variety because they have a built-in pocket just like Tensoon where they can hold you know your pretend your metal vial yeah <laughs> and so we see just playing out multiple times throughout this broadsheet the publicity and the newspaper is being used as a you know weapon or an object of business to like move forward and get money yeah competition is surely heating up in the economic climate of scadrial and the ellendale basin at this point we'll get to a couple other kind of funny <laughs> unique things that pop up in this broadsheet but there do seem to be a lot of new companies a lot of new commerce uh, starting to really gain steam. And I do just want to point out that this new accurate Sunni pup is the sponsor of Nikki Savage. Yeah. And I, <laughs> this is perfect because our next conversation will, will talk about Nikki Savage and her article explicitly. But Nikki Savage's fame has grown to the point where, like, she is a Michael Jordan-esque figure, you know, getting. <laughs> that's pretty. Okay. High, maybe but... that's, a, that's too far. But she is getting sponsors for her investigative works and her explorations that we know she's going on looking at the three realms and finding out the mysteries of the cosmere that is the the main feature of the broadsheet that we're going to tackle last mm -hmm. so we will get there we've got a couple other smaller articles to talk about yeah let's go over to the guest editorial enforce noseball ban <laughs> And this article is complaining that 
In every vacant lot, there are children and vagrants that are congregating to play, quote, the game of death himself, end quote. Noseball has apparently been banned in Bilming, but it's not strictly enforced. Yeah, they even complain that the police officers are sometimes participating in the Noseball game. (laughs) Noseball is, of course, the game that Wayne invests in and we think we'll you know like launch it into explode yes into yeah. the, the national pastime that's at least what we're hoping for but the kind of caveat that we see about Bilming having banned that sport and kind of you know seeing it as the oh that's what the Ellendellites do over there no, not the what the good people in Bilming oh. do here I was thinking more of like to prevent sort of people from congregating that's a, a good you example know, as you well you like don't really want people like large groups of people getting together because then maybe they're like i have this complaint you have this complaint too and then they unionize and then nobody likes that well that's actually exactly what wayne invests for or his like stated reason of giving this large investment is that what people need is that outlet where they can mm. come together. Yeah, but and they like can a, a proxy fight. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of having everyone's anger build up and then turn resentful against your company or mm. government, it is a way to an outlet and an expression that is necessary. And yeah, so, so then maybe they're like in Bilming, they want to keep the undercurrent of anger because then they can like they direct, can direct it, it at towards Ellendale. Ellendale. I don't necessarily know if they were thinking as advanced, but I do think that that concept of like, where does a group's energy go? And like, how do you direct a group's energy? And Wayne is saying we need to divert it towards into sport sport and Bilmin is saying we need to divert it into war and hatred of others. That's very interesting. I like that. I also would like to remind everyone that Wayne did ask that the name of Noseball be changed. And I think that's a really good decision. Unless you can only (laughs) play with your nose, like a dolphin or like Air Bud, just bouncing it (laughs) off your nose. That's the only way that that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. There is, of course, a political cartoon in this broadsheet, just like the past ones. This one... It's not my favorite. Maybe you'll have more like perspective on this for me. But there is a boar in a suit and it's got a nice little sash across. The boar is getting its portrait drawn and it's holding a picture of who I assume is Gave and Trone. And then there's an artist who is drawing a portrait of the boar. And the caption is, be sure to get my chin right. What do you think about this? So I think that this is a fairly harmless, but also fairly meaningless political cartoon. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that there is a lot of depth here. I would probably agree that this is supposed to be Gavin Trone. The picture that the boar is showing, like, I want him to look like this, is a, you know, good looking guy with a big, strong chin. And of course, an ugliness behind Mm. that face uh, you know, a duplicitous type of individual or, you know, someone who is far more interested in putting on a good face and having the people see yeah. his good face. Yeah. But the artist knows that the the mayor is actually uh, a boorish person. All right. All right. That's really all I got. Yeah. I kind of wanted more. I think depth. it is the most simplistic one, which also kind of makes sense because clearly if you make any statements against the governor, you get disappeared. So <laughs> maybe they have to have more mild political cartoons and commentary like this. That's actually a smart call because I, I wouldn't imagine someone who would disappear an editor for an unflattering quote would be okay with being depicted like an animal. I think that uh, the leader of China did not quite uh, take kindly to people referring to him as Winnie the Pooh and wanted to ban access to any oh, images any images of oh. Winnie the Pooh because you could you could make, make the some suggestion unflattering comparisons. Yeah, so that's kind of how I imagine my totalitarian leaders behaving and be like no jokes about Winnie the Pooh or bores about me at all. <laughs> yeah. Right under that cartoon there is 
a fun little advertisement about some traveling that you can do now on Scadriel. And the title is Visit the Bands of Morning Temple Site. And I just put the, the full text of the ad in here because it's all great. And it's very short. Quote, Basin Bill Tours now travels to the locale of Don Shot's famous showdown. Daily reenactments starring Travis Set Venture and Penelope Porto. Additional Hot Springs day trip packages now available. End quote. This sounds great. I'm excited it does about sound this. Great. Like, let's go on this. Let's do the Hot Springs day trip add on. And I think we're going to have a, a great time. Yes. Just such good tourism happening in the Ellendale Basin. Let's jump over to a mention of everybody's favorite Alamancer Jack, who this article is more about the man himself and not his stories. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how the last six years have gone for good old Alamancer Jack. It seems like he has fallen off a little bit with the former assistant saying Quote, the famous media mogul skimmed Terrasborn stakes in the company to invest in new media ventures, end quote. So some corruption charges against yeah. Alamancer Jack. There's been a legal battle that has been settled. And part of that legal settlement is that Jack's stories are now going to be published in The Sentinel of Truth. And that is the paper that's owned by Moraga, the character that we meet in The Lost Metal, who is, it's that paper that is like super sensationalized. It's way more of a tabloid and less reputable. That's the paper that Alamancer Jack is in now. And his former assistant sidekick, Handerwim, his stories, which are now called Handerwim Presents, is going to be exclusive to the two seasons, this broadsheet. And I think that is of note because Nikki Savage and her stories are the main draw yeah. for this. So he he's basically keeping out the Nikki Savage stories of any other broadsheet. And if you want Nikki Savage, you got to come to the two seasons. Yes. And they are in the more reputable paper as well. Jack is sort of on his on his way out, it seems, he like says, this is my plan all along. Like, it's great. I have all these new ventures that I'm going to invest in. And I thought it was really funny that when he was asked for comment, Handerwim, quote, just closed his eyes and sighed, <laughs> end quote. And this reminded me a lot of Varric from Legend of Korra. Julie, do the thing. I feel like Jack is just a less endearing version of Varric. If you strip all of the endearing aspect, which is basically just Julie yeah. from Varric, then he <laughs> yeah. becomes Alamancer Jack. Yeah. I like that call. Uh, even the voice actor could do the same. So Totally. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Let's jump over to one of the interesting little Easter eggs and yeah. part of the broadsheet that maybe sparked the most questions on the internet. This is another small advert down in the bottom left corner that says, quote, these are not coins, end quote. And there are some images here of Malwish medallions. The text says that, quote, they are dangerous Malwish talismans that must be turned in to the authorities for proper disposal. Keep yourself and your loved ones safe from nefarious Malwish witchcraft. Contact in and in at number 42 16th Street for a generous reward, end quote. This is echoing one of the previous adverts in a broadsheet telling you to contact K and N for Chris and Nas. So I think we can pretty safely assume that N and N is Nikki and Nas, which of course begs the question, where is Chris? Why are Nikki and Nas together? Where did Chris go? Why is she not there? What happened? Like, did Chris and Nas have a falling out? Why are they looking for these medallions? All the questions. Yeah, not to get too far ahead, but it's possible there might be a, a love connection that Nas stayed <laughs> behind when Chris, like their normal pattern would be to come to a place, learn, explore, but then move on. Chris could have continued to do that. And Nas might have been like, I have a reason to stay here on schedule. I guess they do regularly split up. Like Nas exactly. is frequently going on other side missions for Chris. 
Now, let's actually dive over to a quick word of Isaac, because this is just a small little tidbit of information for y'all that you can imagine things changing, I think, over the Cosmere, and maybe as things develop, there are different aspects that you may be able to focus on. Could you play the role of the questioner named Spectria Lamina? On the broadsheets distributed at the con, there's this glyph at the bottom right corner of the map. But in the lost metal, there's writing instead of the glyph. And then from Isaac, quote, Oh yeah, I used to sign my art, but I felt it didn't fit in-universe, so I started using that glyph instead. Then eventually, I stopped doing that. It doesn't mean anything. End quote. Good to know. Yeah, just like artists, you know, changing, but like early on in the broadsheets, I think that there were more... Things like this done where Isaac is signing things or just doing personal artistic little bits and including things in the artwork that doesn't necessarily mean that it is canon or mm. that it is... Or uh, that it's meaningful at all. Meaningful Because we're at all. always looking for meaning in everything. <laughs> 100%. And that's all that I wanted Rabid to point fan out. Base. Is that sometimes a signature is just the artist's signature, and sometimes that turns into a glyph, and then sometimes it's dropped entirely because yeah. they realized how crazy all of the fans were, and they're like, what does this mean? Yeah. Nothing, guys. It yeah. means nothing. Calm down. Okay, let's get to the main event of this broadsheet, which is the Handerwim presents Nikki Savage and the Compass of Spirits. Fantastic titles. I love this, you know, the Indiana Jones vibe that we got going on here. But there seems to be a lot that has happened with Nikki since that we last saw her. And she is, most importantly, in league with someone known as the Haunted Man, which we're strongly believe is Nas. Yeah, definitely seems to be Nas. When we last saw Nikki in a broadsheet, she had only just come into contact with the haunted man Mm -hmm. and they were adversaries. Now they are on the same side. Nikki is in this story in pursuit of someone named Villa, who is in possession of the Compass of Spirits. The Compass of Spirits is activated by an aluminum key, which Nikki has entrusted to Nas, and they are planning to meet up again uh, once Nikki has gotten the Compass of Spirits back from Villa so that Nikki and Nas can use the Compass of Spirits together. Okay, now I thought an aluminum key was interesting Mm -hmm. because we know that aluminum is investiture inert. And so the Compass of Spirits, does that possibly include a magical prevention system that if you try to pick it or you force it open by magic, it will not work? But the way that it does work is having... The aluminum key, which yeah. is like won't be impacted. It has like an allomantic protection. Exactly. That then you have to use an aluminum key so that it's invisible to the protection. Yes. That's a good thought. Yeah, because I was kind of confused. I was like, why would you want it to be aluminum? It seems like it would have a magical reaction in order to open. But I like your thought. We also learn that Nikki has two sidekicks who are Chandra. The first one, K-Sun. And the second, Tabar. We have always seen a very similar language structure, naming structure for the Chandra. And Tabar is the first one that kind of breaks that. Yeah, usually you have a capital letter, a lowercase letter, and then a capital letter, two lowercase letters. I think every single Chandra that we have met so far has that naming convention. And Tabar just has a regular naming convention with one capital letter. At the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, yeah. And so that just made me like pause for a moment and be like, is he a Chandra? Is he a different kind of Chandra? Why is his name different? Is he like a new generation of Chandra? I thought that that might be it, that the naming convention may have been changed after the Catacendra and that he would be younger than 300 years. Yeah. And therefore, you know, maybe not locked into the traditions of the past. That was my only real conclusion. But I do think that it is important, especially 
with some information we get from Tress that I will not mention on this mm, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about the the future of Chandra in yeah. the Cosmere. So we'll put a pin in that. But for those in the know, now you know. <laughs> There is also an interesting moment where these two chondra are able to merge together to create a, like this big bird. And I don't think we've ever seen two chondra merge together before. So I that agree. also seemed like new chondra powers. Yes. Yeah. Behavior. I would love to know if there was a requirement maybe of like a bonded pair, you know, a relationship, yeah. maybe like a, a parent-child type of thing. Where... It does seem like you would have to have a close relationship because, I mean, think about how we are about just like being close to someone else's body. And these are two beings that are like literally merging their muscles together. <laughs> their muscles and their minds. And we also know that Chandra have spikes that give yeah, them sentience. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is there a requirement for like four spikes or three spikes? Do you have to sacrifice some of your own personal sentience in oh. order to join with someone else to make this bird? Like it's very intriguing. And anytime I see yeah. new stuff, I just want more in-depth information. I think we do have to sort of take it with a grain of salt because we never know how accurate these, you know, sensational adventure stories are. But it is something I think just to note of and keep an eye out for in the future. And then to get back to sort of the plot of this story, Nikki and Villa fight. Nikki, in the middle of this, drops a product placement for her shoes She's like, I kicked Villa with my beautiful name brand shoe. By the way, you can get it at this store on this street and like mention my name and they'll be happy to help you out. PF Flyers, guaranteed to make you run faster, jump higher and kick some serious butt. Yeah, it was just very funny to see. I don't think we've seen a product placement like that before. So going back to this idea that uh, commerce seems to be booming and these broadsheets are really becoming a place for it. Now you know where to get your shoes. Yeah. And it also like points to me that like Nikki needs money. Like she is oh, yeah. a she, working individual. She is in it for the money. She has definitely taken Jack's blueprint and has just run with it, is expanding on it. Like Jack walked so that Nikki could run. I feel like there is a lot to that that could be I want some more Alamancer Jack and Nikki Savage stories. I'm hoping that Isaac will have an opportunity to really flesh out those characters more. But let's continue on because after the fight, the compass is saved by Nikki and Villa plummets, presumably, to her death, ending the rivalry between, but not ending the story. Nikki rejoins the haunted man and, you know, she's just had this harrowing experience and he is like very tender towards her. He seems really worried about her. And she says, quote, how far we had come from our first meeting. You silly man. You'll never get rid of me that easily. It's you and me exploring the Cosmere together forever, just like we promised. End quote. So there's this tender, romantic moment between the two of them. Interestingly, Nikki says that he smells like hellfire and cedar. Hellfire is a very specific scent. Very specific. I do not know if I would want from my love interest. But I think is maybe significant and potentially is another indicator that the haunted man is Nas, who is from Threnody, mm -hmm. the place of shadows and shades and is a little bit like hell on Earth. Yes, the forest of hell is the name included in that story about silence. And I do think that some of the previous mentions of the haunted man, he seemed to have a gun that was like yeah, shooting that a ghost or so a shade. And so there was a lot of moments that are Interesting to point out, especially when we compare it to what we talked about last week when it came to autonomy and technological advances, because it was our understanding that Scadriel and Taldane were the only two places that had developed firearms. Mm -hmm. And we know that there is some type of gun in on Threnody. 
It's and, like an investiture gun. And if it comes from, like, we just, we don't know what's going on on Threnody, but we speculated a lot. <laughs> it could be an aspect of the far future. Maybe autonomy is not considering in things that require investiture to be the same as a firearm. Yeah, or it's a not a firearm. Form. I mean, it's, it it's looks not, like a firearm. It doesn't have and, fire. Mm, okay, that's a good, yeah. but what about Hellfire? Could have that. <laughs> Only if Hellfire is investiture. To go back to, we left them in this romantic moment. They are about to kiss. And the haunted man, Nas, says, I'm so very sorry. And then he activates the compass with the key. And we get this. Quote, the little rings spun until they flowed with ethereal light, which inverted in on itself with a giant pop I felt in my soul more than heard with my ears. I fell forward onto my knees, the haunted man's presence no longer there to hold me up. Though the after image of him activating the vice hung in the air for a moment until it puffed away like smoke from a burnt match, he had done it. He'd finally entered the ghostly dimension. End quote. So much stuff there that we can pull out. The ghostly dimension? Is that the cognitive realm? Is that something else? Is that like some other place where the shades of threnody are held? Puffed away like smoke from a burnt match is not a description that we have seen corresponding with any other transits into the cognitive realm. Right. Most often that's happening through a portal, a pool, you know, Hoyd like rises up out of the waters seemingly in oh, the well yeah. of ascension. In secret history. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I haven't seen anything like that when entering into the cognitive realm, but the popping that she mentions to me is kind of similar to what Shalon describes, you know, moving things in and out of the cognitive realm. And I feel like there could be some similarity there, but I really think this might be something else entirely, or maybe a situation like you mentioned about something Threnody specific. Yeah, that is what I am drawn towards. Just the question of like, why would Nas be in pursuit of this? You know, like what would his motive be? To me, it makes sense that it would be something Threnody related. But also, I think on the simplest level, perhaps this compass is just a fabrial and maybe it's a like transportation surge sure. fabrial that is a new way to be able to go into the cognitive realm where you're not locationally restricted of needing to be in a specific place where you can cross over but it's a fabriel that is giving you the powers like of yeah of like a yasna surge binder very interesting i think that that's a really good guess and the concept of it being a transportation fabriel does make sense you know in the form of a compass as well giving you some direction through the Cosmere. I am left with, of course, the question, what does Nas need it for? Yes, because then Nikki goes on to say, quote, I hope he arrived too late to save the world. He and his bloody employer could burn for all I cared, end quote. So apparently his purpose is to save the world. A world. I don't know if... It's their world, as in Scadriel. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If she like had asked him what he wanted to do and he just said, save the world, we don't know what he technically meant by that. The Chondra give Nikki a hint that there is another way to follow Nas through the ghost realm. Which is just a cliffhanger. We don't get to hear what that is. But I do believe we are meant to believe that Nikki's journey will now continue off of Scadriel. You know, so far she has mm, been kind of like yeah. touching the edges of Scadriel's, you know, Cosmere boundaries. And this is likely the moment where she is going to punch through and perhaps leave Scadriel. And so we will have a Nikki Savage, but yeah. across the Cosmere story continue. She's like a little baby Chris. Exactly. Yeah. And early on, Chris, perhaps joining the 17 Shard, though she strikes me as more she, of an independent Yeah, adventurer. she seems like she's not a big fan of Nas and, quote, his employer, which is probably Chris. So we'll see. There might be just a cognitive realm rivalry in the future. And then there's an interesting 
postscript by Handerwim, which says that he has not received a letter from Nisel Nikki for about two weeks, and he is assuming that she successfully entered the ghostly realm. And he's like, hopefully we'll hear from her again soon. So yeah, I do think we are in a position where we're assuming that she made the jump in some way. A new player on the Cosmere realm. I know at the very beginning, we talked about Risen and holding a Dawn Shard and being important for the future of the Cosmere. But there's also the likelihood that a smaller character like Nikki Savage could become important in the future as well. And we just watched the beginning of it happen. And now there's another person for us to sort of keep watch for. Mm -hmm. Because as we read these books, I'm sure we are all always looking, keeping our eyes peeled for Nas and Chris. So now we also have to have Nikki in the back of our heads when we're reading different things and seeing where she might pop up in other stories. And so it's the inclusion of all of these types of elements where you can see the visuals, you can read the stories, and then you're left to wonder about what that all means that I, you know, just hats off to Isaac and of course everyone that was involved in creating these broadsheets because there's so much there and there's so much intrigue, but it's not the main story. It's not really what we're there for. And it provides so much extra for us. And I like that. Absolutely. I'm totally on board with Nikki Savage. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope that you learned a little something about the broadsheets. And maybe if you have any information for us, feel free to reach out and share that directly so that we can all increase our knowledge of the Cosmere. As we said at the beginning, one more episode of the Lost Metal series, and then we're going to officially wrap that up in a nice little bow. There may be a special surprise episode before we begin the Tress of the Emerald Sea book club. So keep an eye out for several fun things coming your way on the main feed. And until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. 